Luke chapter 9. Jose, can you bounce back to that title? I want to show him this. Look at the title. He's all right. He can come up here and preach with me if you want. <laughs> She's like, no. Look at, look at the screen here. It's hard to see up here. It won't be hard to see here in about a week. Um, faithless or faithful? Hey, Camilla, good to see you. I'm trying to remember your girlfriend's name. I'm going to smack myself this microphone. I'll get there. Good to see you both. Glad you're home. This is still the only thing that's connected to that old system, and that's why it's popping. <laughs> how many like the way we rearranged a little bit? Yeah, it's, how many of you don't like it? I hate it. All right, that's cool. Nick doesn't like it. <laughs> We're getting there. These plants look bigger online, just saying. <laughs> those, those are getting repurposed. <laughs> Anyway, we couldn't pass them up. Yeah, they're the little guys. <laughs> they looked huge online. Everything looks bigger online. I think that's a song. Anyway, so, <laughs> faithless or faithful. I want you to think about a gas tank this morning. Can you do it? Can we use the car analogy? How many of you are the type that runs your car? I mean, till the light comes on, till the fumes are gone, right? <laughs> How many of you are that type of person? Me too. I'm with you. I like to feel the sputter so that I can lay hands on my truck and pray it into the gas station. I, I am all about situations that I can feel my faith growing. I mean, call me weird, but I'm like, Lord Jesus, help me. And then I just know it was him that got me there. And you could say, why don't you just stop for gas a mile sooner, you knucklehead? No, don't mess with my flow. You know what I'm saying? But faithless or faithful, and, and you have that gas tank and there's a gauge on it. Let me explain to you something, okay? The gauge for your faith, I'm just I'm shooting from the hip here, but the gauge for your faith is your emotions. It's your emotions. Everybody knows when you're faithless. And everybody knows when you're what? Faithful. And some of you, this is dangerous, have gotten good at masking it. You, you've gotten good at, at even lying to yourself about what you're actually feeling. And that's a problem. But I want you to think about your spiritual gas tank of faith today. Because that's where Jesus is going in the next chapter and next verse. Remember, we just had an experience on the Mount of Transfiguration. Do you all remember that? And if you weren't here, listen to the message. As long as it's online, I think it is. <laughs> the point is, they had an experience and God the Father told the disciples, told Peter, James, and John, and he says, listen to my son. And Jesus told them again, I'm going to die. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to the cross. And then when we pick up this passage, they're coming down the mountain and they're confronted with a problem. Immediately. We see as soon as the Mount of Transfiguration happens and they're like trying, still trying to understand, we, we find that they don't. They still don't understand what Jesus is trying to say. But the point is, is they are confronted by Jesus and he gets nasty with them. And you're going to see it. I, I call it business Jesus. Business Jesus comes out and he gets nasty with his disciples. And this is why. Because they were faithless. You see, I believe that each and every one of you that are, that are here under the sound of my voice today and those that listen to the podcast, you have faith that God put within you. 
And it is your responsibility. Let me say that again. It is your responsibility. Faith cometh by and hearing by the And how many of you have read your Bible today? How many of you pulled up to the spiritual gas pump this morning and chose to get faith full? To fill that tank up in in the Word of God and in prayer. And if you didn't, on you. On you. Well, you know, it's going to happen anyway. Whatever God's going to do, it's going to play out. You are the hands and feet. Church, it is time that we stop passing the buck. And we start accepting responsibility for the gospel. The gospel rests on our shoulders. We are the church. If you were here at small groups on Wednesday, you learned that. He, he articulated it in an amazing way, in an amazing study. That basically said, if you want to be happy, I gave you a church. If you want to know the word of God, I gave you the church. He gave us a community, a family here that we connect together to become faith what? Full. Let's jump in the text. Luke chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, 37 through 50. And it came to pass that on the next day, when they were come down from the hill, after the Mount of Transfiguration, much people met them. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and suddenly he crieth out, and it teareth him, and and that he foameth again, and bruising him hardly departed from him. Verse 40, look at it. Oh, I'm sorry. I did that. Don't look at verse 40. (laughs) You see here, we grew up with him. Nice. I'm getting text messages coming through my iPad. We see here in this story that they come down from the mountain. I did break this one up differently. And there's a challenge right off the bat. Does someone understand what's going on here? There's a father and his what? Son. And he says, it's my what? My only son. Number one, the title of the message is The Impact of Faithlessness. The Impact of Faithlessness. You see the desperate father. The desperate father. Let me take you to a verse here, John 3.16. I'm not sure if I put it in there, Jose, or not, but can you all quote that with me, John 3.16? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Doesn't the Word of God sound so good when we're all reading it together? That's life. Uh, Wait a minute. We have a desperate father. Help my only son. They just came down from the mountain and saw a heavenly father with his only what? Begotten son. Jesus is trying to teach them over and over again. He's trying to show them that I am about my father's business. My father is ordering my steps. He works and I worketh hitherto. And my work is to go to the cross. My work is to accomplish the gospel so that you can take the gospel by faith to a lost and dying world. And here it is again. They did not believe it. They did not understand it. And here comes a father with his only begotten son. This is an analogy here. You see the heavenly Father with His Son, with the Holy Spirit filling Him, setting His face like a flint towards Jerusalem, and the world, the disciples with their understanding, 
wanting Jesus to set up a kingdom now, wanting the son to take the throne now, is a picture in this man with his son that's out of control. His son breeds chaos. His son is controlled by a demon. He has no regard within himself for his own life. The demon just tears him apart. And we have here a desperate father. Which father-son combo do you want? I'm taking the heavenly father and Jesus all day long. But the disciples in their faithlessness, in their ignorance, choose the earthly father with the demonic son. They choose that because of their lack of faith, and you're going to see that in a moment. You see the desperate father versus the determined father in John 3.16. Both only sons, both only begotten sons. Number two, verse 40 through 41. And I besought the disciples to cast him out. Watch this. The desperate father rats him out. They're coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. You get the picture. The father comes up with his son. The son's like throwing himself on the ground. The demon's tearing this boy apart from the inside out. And then the man says, I besought thy disciples to cast him out. And they what? The cost, the price for faithlessness. And Jesus answering said, oh what? Faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son thither. Do you see what just happened? He, he, the, the man comes up and he says, I, I tried to go to your disciples. Luke chapter 9, Jesus had already sent the disciples out to cast out demons to heal, right? To accomplish gospel ministry. And they couldn't cast this demon out. And Jesus is looking at him and he's going, you are faithless. Can you imagine? What would you do if Jesus was standing right here? I thought he was loving. I thought he was caring. He is. He also don't play when it comes to the gospel. What's the second thing we see? The faithless disciples. The desperate father. The faithless disciples. Faithlessness brings God frustration. How many of you see that in the text? Do you think Jesus was frustrated? Yes or no? How many of you want Jesus frustrated at you? But yet, there are things in our lives that He is ready and willing to take care of, and you don't do it. I came, I tried to get your disciples to do it. The desperate Father led to the faithless disciples, and that led to a frustrated Jesus. Interesting. James 2, 18-23, look at this text. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith. And I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith, what? By my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou dost well. Watch this. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O man, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed or given unto him for righteousness. And he was called the what? Friend of God. Listen to this, church. Saving faith is not merely a matter of the intellect, nor of the intellect and the emotions combined. It is also a matter of the will, determining the direction of the soul. 
This third element consists in a personal trust in Christ as Savior and Lord, including a surrender of the soul, I surrender all, as guilty and defiled to Christ, and a reception and appropriation of Christ as the source of pardon and of spiritual life. Genuine faith, listen to this church, inevitably results in a life of obedience to God. One cannot affirm Jesus is Lord without doing what he commands. Luke 6.46 How do I know, Pastor Matt, if I'm faithful? Are you obedient? James tells us that faith without works is what? Dead. If it's dead, it's less. It's less than. It's not full. It's empty. It's vain. It is something that accomplishes nothing. Where are we at, church? Here's what I want you to do. Pull out your phones. Pull out your phones. I got a lot of texts on my, on my phone. I'm not going to get distracted by them. I'm going to put mine back in my pocket. You pull out your phones. Come on, pull out your phones. Hurry, hurry, hurry. You got your phone. Pull it out. Pull it out. One exercise. Ready? How many ever text themselves? How many knew that you could text yourself? Okay, you can. All right? So go to your text messages. Go to your text messages. Open the app. Where it says two, put your number there. So this would be messages. And then at the top where it says two, I would put 443-904-1305, okay? And then in the message body, here's what I want you to do. I want you to message yourself. Somebody already messaged themselves. (laughs) I want you to message yourself one thing that you're lacking faith in this morning. Listen, we don't need to talk for this exercise. Just kidding, you can if you want. Not really. (laughs) In the message body, I want you to think right now of one thing that you just lack faith in. If God looked at that desperate father, number one, and he said, I want you to text yourself one thing that you want and desire, and I'll make it happen. What do you think the desperate father would have put in the text message? Save his son, right? Look at me, look at me. What is it for you? One thing. One thing. I don't care if it's your career. I don't care if it's a wayward son or daughter. I don't care if it's a physical health issue. I could take you through the Gospels and show you where God met physical need as well as spiritual need, as well as mental needs. What is it? Get real right now with God. This is a practical church. Nobody's better than anybody else here. We all have struggles. We all have issues. The ground's level at the foot of the cross, right? So I'm just being real with you. What is it? Only you know. You have a relationship with God. Maybe a strained relationship. But there is at least one thing. Here's what I found when I did this exercise with myself this week. I had multiple things I put in that text message. I was like, point number one, point number two. I'm faithless in this area. I'm faithless in that area. I want you to put it in the text message, and I want, it, I want you to send it to yourself right now. That's fine. Hide it. Don't, you, know, you don't need to show anybody. Text it to yourself. Because that's the area we're going to focus on today. I believe that faith is, is so practical. And I believe that part of the problem with the church's problem as a whole is that we walk out thinking about faith and it's some kind of like pie in the sky idea and it never makes its way to our life. It never changes anything. I believe that faith comes by hearing the word of God and by praying. 
I'm telling you. And if there is one thing that you text yourself, I want you to believe. That's what faith is. I want you to see in your mind's eye that there is something that is not the way that it is now, but through faith, it is going to be. Through faith, victory is going to be had. Through faith, that mountain, say to the mountain, and it's going to be moved. Are you serious, Pastor Matt? Yeah, we have a, a real God. He has real feelings and real emotions, and when we pray to Him, He what? He listens. Why do we need faith full? Why do we need full? Because we need God. We need things accomplished in our lives. You don't need money. You need faith. You don't need relationships. You need faith. Because if you have faith, if you're full of faith, guess what? You're going to have good relationships. We're, We're looking at this thing backwards, I'm telling you, church. Text yourself the one thing. Let's look at this, number three. So you have the desperate father. You have the faithless disciples. And then you have number three, business Jesus. Jesus was not playing. So I want to get down to business with you. Verse 42 through 50. Let's look at the text. Look at it. This is the Bible. How many of you believe the Bible? We're studying the Word of God here. And as He was yet coming, the devil threw Him down. What did Jesus just say? Bring your son, right? Bring your son. And as He was yet coming, the dad was coming with His son, the devil threw Him down and tear Him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and what? Healed the child. Not only did I take care of the problem that you thought you had, I handled all the residual. I handled all the collateral damage. When Jesus fixes something, He doesn't just fix it, He makes it new. He makes it brand new. He makes it shiny with a bow on it. You understand what I'm saying? You got a problem? Let me just throw that demon out and I'm going to heal this boy. And delivered him again to his father. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. But while they wondered, everyone at the things which Jesus did, and he said unto his disciples, let's let these things, (laughs) I love this. I mean, if you don't get a kick out of the Bible, let these sayings sink down into your ears. Is this not business Jesus or what? He's saying, open up your ears, knuckleheads. Let this saying sink down in there. Are you having an issue? Are you having a problem hearing? Let's get the spiritual Q-tips. Let's clean it out. And let's throw it in the garbage can. Let these sayings sink down into your ears. For the Son of Man, watch this, shall be delivered into the hands of men. They just were on the Mount of Transfiguration. And the Father looked at the disciples and said, listen to my Son. And what does Jesus say to them? I'm going to go to the cross, fellas. He's saying to them, it's not the way you're perceiving it. You want me to set up a kingdom now? But if I go to the cross, I'm going to save the world. I'm not just going to save your people. I'm going to save all people groups through the gospel of Jesus Christ. My plan is so much greater than your plan. Peter, James, and John, just do what I'm asking you to do. And you don't understand. I'm going to do exceedingly above what you ask or think. When, if you would just focus on your faith, let me take care of the plan. And Jesus looks and says, let this sink down into your ears. And they feared to ask him of that saying. Why? They perceived it not. Unfortunately, they still didn't what? 
They still didn't get it. <laughs> Poor guys. Verse 46. Business Jesus was not playing around. He was upset. He was looking at him like, you faithless, twisted, perverse generation. Come here, son. Get out of there, demon. Let me heal this boy. Listen to what I'm trying to say. Open up your ears. Then there arose a reason. This gets so much better. Listen, I can't make this stuff up. These 12 disciples are over there going, it was Peter. Peter tried. He tried to throw the demon out. And Jesus is like, you guys are knuckleheads. Open up your ears. Then after all that happened, then there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be greatest. My goodness. And Jesus, oh my goodness, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child. He said, you didn't get it. My father told you to listen to the son. I took a desperate father and healed his son by my plan. Now you still don't get it. Y'all are over here on the sideline, the peanut gallery going, I wonder which one of us is the greatest disciple. (laughs) What do you think, George? (laughs) Are you getting the story? Isn't this crazy? Look at it. And Jesus took a child and he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me. Oh, it's about to get real. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. Father, son, dynamic. For he that is the, say the next word, least. Least among you all. The same shall be what? Two more verses. And John answered and said, Master. And here he gives himself up. John's the soft-hearted one, right? John totally rats everybody out with the story. He goes, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and and we forbade him because he followed not with us. And Jesus said unto them, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is what? So that's the rest of the story. The disciples were over here doing ministry, and someone else... Someone else caught wind. Someone else got the Holy Spirit. Someone else was doing mighty works in God's name. And they said, hey, hey, uh uh-uh. You ain't a disciple. You're not one of the twelve. You're not following them. You stop all that. They cut off the work of God. And that man's son continued. That desperate father, because they're over here arguing about who's the greatest. Mm. There is so many applications to make in this text right now. Do you see what I'm saying? Are you getting the story? Here's a few things we can learn from what Jesus was trying to teach them. Listen, church. He said, number one, I am leaving soon. It's time for you to be ready. Let these sayings seek in. Number two, the disciples didn't want to say anything, but they totally didn't get it. How many of you are still sitting here going, I don't really know what he's talking about. Jesus reads their hearts. He reads their will, their desires, and he sees something he doesn't like. And number four, they're wondering, who's the greatest? How's your heart today, church? How many would be scared to death if Jesus was standing here and could see everything that's on the inside? If you were right now physically represented on the outside as you were on the inside, what would you look like? If we took your innards, your faith, and we flipped you inside out, would you be faithful or would you be faithless? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you are scared to death to even admit the fact that there's nothing on the inside? 
It's void. And, and what tells me about that with the disciples is they were still trying to what? Who's the, who's the greatest? I got this. <laughs> I'm going to perfect my demon casting. It's going to be so good. I mean, they're like, I mean, you think like fishing, right? Like a casting contest. They're like, watch this. Tie me. Yo, Peter, tie me. Be healed. Point three. Yeah. Son, I got this thing. Church, did they get it? Yes or no? Here's the problem. You ready? Let's just wrap it all up. Because I've, I've got, man, I'm getting better. Let's wrap this whole thing up. Here's the problem. Faithlessness. Verses 36 through 50, you read that whole passage of Scripture, and there were some really funny things that happened all throughout there. I mean, I'm, I've laughed reading, reading that text this week and going into it. I'm like, these guys are knuckleheads. And I'm like, that's me. But the, the key is Jesus, when he's upset with them, and he turns, and he says, stay with me, church. He says, oh, faithless. How do we solve that problem? Because I believe if they were faithful, that altercation would have never happened. Originally speaking, when another disciple was casting out demons, do you think that the son would have been taken care of? He would have. These, these guys had done this before. If they were just faithful, the gospel would have continued. And they, they got it. In the book of Acts, they get it. The Holy Spirit comes and they're like, whoa. Now we understand what it's like to be faithful. But I know that the problem in our church today is faithlessness. Let me explain something to you, church. Your faithlessness will keep you from purpose. What does the story tell us? They were more content with people only seeing who they healed than what other people were doing. God help. Stay with me. It's okay. We've all heard babies cry before. It's not a big deal. Look right up here. Listen. Church, you're fine. Faithlessness will rob you of your purpose. You you need to just set in that for a minute. Just listen. Your purpose. No, 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 no. I got the purpose down. I mean, I go to work. I clock in. I clock out. I go get something to eat. I got my routine. I have my routine. I am good. I go to church. How many of you freak out if you're out of your routine? Come on. Just be honest. It's okay. All right. That's y'all. If I'm in a routine, I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, Lord, get me out of a routine. Get me out of that box. Uh, I want to do something different every day. I want to color a different coloring sheet every day. I want to do something different. Why? Because new things are going to happen. Today, his mercies are new. That's my personality. I don't like boxes. I worked really well. <laughs> I, I was a really good employee when I had an employer that understood not to tell me what to do. <laughs> and Jim's like, yeah, you sucked. No. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? Our personalities are different. I'm not talking about personality. Here's what I'm talking about. Purpose. We're all different. We're all fearfully and wonderfully made. But are you accomplishing anything for God? If he came back right now, would your fullness of faith have produced anything for the kingdom? If you're faithless this morning, it's robbing you of your purpose. Robbing you. 
You see, watch this. If you have faith in a covenant marriage relationship, we have purpose. I know that my loving her is showing God how much I what? Love Him. When my faith is full, so is my marriage. Because this covenant relationship is a picture of Christ in the church. I got purpose. Girl, I'm going to love you so much. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because I'm physically attracted to her? Well, yeah. No, no. Of course I am. That's the benefits of, but it's not my purpose. My purpose in my marriage is to love that woman like Christ loved us. And God says, oh, oh, you just go, son, son. I am just loving the way you're loving that woman. I, I made that. God is up in heaven going in the Garden of Eden. Adam, you got nothing on me. Look at the way Pastor Matt's loving on Sarah. Woo! That's how I, that's how I like it. That is some purpose in that relationship. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you following me? When you're faithless, you don't have purpose like that. I just, I've not loved her in months. What? God's up in heaven going, oh, I got a stool over here. <laughs> it's the little things that make me happy. Everything's black up here. I'm starting to really get happy on Sundays. It matches. You see what I mean? <laughs> I have problems. I really do. <laughs> anyway. Church, I'm sad for you. I'm really, my heart breaks for the people of God that don't have purpose. I, so, I want to just like tear my purpose, like tear and, and share it. I just want to be like, look, y'all, if purpose was a pie, I would just be handing out slices of that junk like crazy. Like, here's a piece of pie for you. Because my faith is so full. And this isn't every day, but kind of. When I go through tough times, Jesus isn't looking, business Jesus isn't looking at me going, you're faithless. I'm going on my knees to Jesus saying, you ain't got to come say nothing to me. I'm coming to get in front of you. I'm coming to get on my knees to say, God, fill my faith. God, give me purpose. God, give me grace. He doesn't need to come find me. I'm going to go find him because I want my faith full. Why? Because I want a purpose. I mean, I'm not trying to be whatever. No, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> Your faithlessness will keep you from relationships. Are you an isolator? I'm just afraid that your faith isn't full. Your faithlessness will distort your view of the kingdom. What was the very last thing he said after faithless? He said, faithless, you perverse generation. That word perverse means twisted, distorted. I mean, I don't, I really, I honor the fact that we're diverse in here and that we're politically diverse. I don't really give a, you know what I mean, about politics. I care about the kingdom. That's what I care about. I care about what is Jesus doing in your life? What is he building in your life now? Who are you building in the kingdom now? Do you understand what I'm saying? Faithfulness produces a correct view of the kingdom. But the disciples were faithless. They had a distorted view of the kingdom. Hmm. How do you view the kingdom of God? 
How do you view God's will in your life? I keep saying this statement, but are you looking for Jesus to fix or add something to your life? Or is Jesus what? Your life. Faithlessness will distort your view of the kingdom. I just feel like there's... (laughs) When people are willing to murder a baby... That's not political. That's a distorted view of God's kingdom. Yes or no? Watch, church, that's ultimately what? Faithlessness. Oh, that's a fetus. If we don't get faithful, shut it down. Let's just, let's just close the church down. If God's people don't man and woman up, what are we doing playing church? There are babies dying. The least of these. Jesus said, come here, child. Y'all want to talk about who's the greatest. Whosoever accepts the least of. And in America, we take the least of and we kill them. Am I telling the truth? Faithful or faithless? But here's the problem. Right here in the pew. I'm not expecting some lost person who doesn't know Jesus to be faithful. Y'all are screaming to the top of your lungs for someone to solve a problem that is not going to solve the problem. The problem is solved when God's people become faithful. When you hear of someone thinking about an abortion... And you go to them, and you plead with them, and you love them, and you say, there's another way. The gospel said that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. That's a soul inside of you. Have you thought about adoption? Have you thought about fill in the blank? Guess what you're doing? You're being what? Faithful to God's kingdom. He told Adam to subdue. To work the kingdom of God that was made. And sin is what? Wrecking it. But Jesus is restoring it. One soul at a time. One person at a time. The answer is in this room. You becoming faithful. Are you a disciple on the sidelines? Are you vying for position already in Bethlehem Church? I just want to do this. I just want to, you know, I want it to be this. I literally had someone tell me this week, If you paint the steeple black, I'm not coming to church. I'm like, guess what color the steeple's going to be? You already know. It's going to be black. Come on. Why? Because I don't care about a steeple like that. You understand what I'm saying? I care what goes on underneath the steeple. But no joke, literally, with one stupid Facebook post, I literally had someone say to me, I would never, ever go to a church that had a black steeple. And you know what I said. I'm like, racist. It was the first thing out of my mouth. That's why I told Mo and I had a good laugh about that one, too. We have lost our minds. What's up is down, and what's down is up to this world. Why? Because, oh, faithless and perverse, twisted generation. 
You want to set things right in this world? Do you really? Yes or no? Faithfulness will lead you into action. Faithfulness will give you the right perspective. In verse 50, Jesus said unto them, Forbid him not, for he that is against us is not against us, is what? For us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The challenge today, church, is for you to be faithful. That's the challenge. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The challenge this morning is for you to be faithful. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this. If you came to church today and you're sitting here and you say, Pastor Matt, I had a hard time following. I, I, I think that if I died, I don't even know 100% sure I'd go to heaven. I don't know about Jesus. I don't have that faith that you're talking about. Well, that faith I'm talking about is saving faith. And the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everyone to have saving faith in their life. And if you're sitting here today and you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, I'd like to pray for you. No one's looking around. If you die today and you don't know 100% sure you'd go to heaven, can you raise your hand so I can pray for you? There's two. Anyone else? There's three. There's four. You're saying, I, if I died right now, I just don't know I'd go to heaven. Raise your hand. There's five. Anyone else? Right there in your seat with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Everyone else that did not raise their hand, I assume you have faith. I assume you know the Lord, and I want to ask you to do me a favor. I want you to pray right now in your seat for those that have raised their hand. Five souls raised their hand saying, I don't know that faith. So if you have that faith, please do me a favor right now and just pray for those that didn't. If you're one of the five, I want to talk to you for just a moment. So if you raised your hand, look up here. The first thing to understand is that we're all sinners. No one else is looking except those five. You should be praying for them. The first thing that you have to understand is that we've all done wrong. We've all reached a point in our life. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means that we have to understand that we can't get to heaven on our own. We've done wrong. If you're one of those five and you believe that we've all done wrong, raise your hand. You believe that? Y'all believe that back there? We've all done wrong. So understand this, that the reason why Jesus came to the cross is that Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. What that means is the price for our sin is death. We sinned a long time ago. Romans 5.12 says, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned the point of sin is that it was passed down to us you didn't choose when you came into this world to be a sinner you were a sinner when you were born into this world because Adam chose a long time ago so what's the problem the problem is is that we're sinners and that we deserve the Bible says Revelation 21 and 8 but the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters. And then it says, and all liars. I've never murdered, but I've told a lie. Here's what it says. Shall have their part in a lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. 
not only because of our sins are we going to die a physical death on this earth, we deserve to pay for our sins for all eternity. My favorite conjunction in the Bible is the word but. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, while we were doing wrong, while we were living in such a way that was contrary, the Bible says Christ died for us. You see, God in heaven was there in eternity without sin. He didn't have sin on his own, but he said, I love man so much, I created them in my image, and I'm going to go down and I'm going to fix this thing of sin. The devil thought he was going to gain an advantage. The devil thought that he was going to cause man to fall in hell for eternity. But you know what? Hell wasn't made for man. It was made for the devil. And I'm going to fix this thing. So Jesus came down. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the Bible says that Jesus... But God commended his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. So what does that mean for us? It means that we don't have to pay our own sin debt. It means that Jesus became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin, the Bible says. And he took all the world's sin on himself. And when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. What does that mean? It means everything that we strive to do to save ourselves, we don't have to do it anymore. It means good works like Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says, for by grace are you saved. It means you didn't deserve it. It means you were a sinner. It means that even while you were sinning, that Jesus showed his love on you. And that he said, I'm going to save you and redeem you no matter what you do. So how do I get that? Because Romans 6, 23 says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if it's a gift, and if Jesus bought and paid for it with his death on the cross, how do I what? Receive it. How many of you want to receive the gift? You five that raise your hand, do you want to receive the gift? Do you want Jesus in your heart? Romans 10.9 spells it out for us. It says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, the very next verse says, for with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, man and woman, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So what does this mean? It means this. You ask him for it. If you pray believing, here's what you're doing. You're exercising for the first time in your life faith. The Bible says that he put a measure of. You see, God knew that sin was going to come to the world. So what did he do? He fit a secret ingredient in the midst of all sinners. He planted in your heart this thing called faith. And that honing device always finds Jesus. And and it's what caused you to raise your hand and say, I want to know Jesus. I want to have faith. And in your heart, if you take that faith and you believe in it, and you say, dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner, And because of my sin, I deserve to go to hell. But I'm trusting in you, Jesus, to save me. You just activated that saving faith. And the Bible says that you shall be saved. And just a few verses later, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a beautiful thing. If you five that raised your hand and said, and anybody else for that matter, that have never trusted Jesus as their Savior, if you would like to put your personal faith in the Lord Jesus, this isn't something you do over and over. This is something that you do one time. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus 
And the Bible says that you shall be saved. So if you want to pray right now, I'll give you the words to say. Pray it with me if you raised your hand, not knowing if you're going to go to heaven, not knowing if you know the Lord. If you pray this believing in your heart, He will save you. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And because of my sin, I deserve to go to hell. But Jesus, please save me and give me a home in heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, can you raise your hand for me? One, two, three, four, five. Thank you for praying. Give them a hand. We have a few that are following the Lord in believers' baptism in the next coming weeks. Um, we've been wanting to schedule that. And I would encourage you all to take the next step as well, which is getting back in the water. You know what I'm saying? We'll explain that to you more. Make sure all of you with your first time and then those that it, weren't, uh, that it wasn't your first time, that it weren't, uh, please give your cards to Brandon right there. See this guy right there? If you have a connection card that Brandon gave you, please give it to that guy right there. That's how we have record of your visit. How many know it's been good to be in God's house today? Oh my goodness gracious. We got to give him praise. Do you all understand? Souls just passed from death to life. Do you know that? Give him the praise. And come on, it's 1228. Got him. Let's pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we love you. We cherish Jesus as our greatest treasure. Father, what a move of your spirit today. We're so thankful. We don't take it for granted. Father, churches across our nation will meet the same people wondering why you don't show up. And Father, you met with us today. Father, the projects that we have going on in our church led people to our church that got saved this morning. It's incredible what you're doing. But it's not enough. I said it's not enough. I believe, Father, I have, my faith is full today, and I look out at a congregation of people that need to get their faith moving. Father, they've been parked on the side of the road for too long. Father, they need to start the engine, spiritually speaking. If you're sitting here under the sound of my voice, and while we're praying, you just want to raise your your hand to heaven and say, Pastor Matt, I'm going to have faith this week. Fill my faith, God. Raise your hand just show Him. God, I'm going to have faith this week. Fill it. Yes, show it to Him. And Father God, I pray that you, You will do more through Your Holy Spirit to build their faith. Father, bring us back on Wednesday night as we dig into Your Word. As we talk about Your church. Father, please provide our needs. We have, we have needs at Your church. And Father, we're asking You to do above. above uh, just above what we could even ask or think in our lives and in our church and in our community. Father, those that are hurting this morning, those that I was texting this week and talking to this week that are struggling, I pray that those situations uh, would, would be healed, that those needs would be met. I pray you would just work a supernatural work in their lives. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We praise his name this morning, the name above every other name. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming to church today.